Hello, welcome to Two Northern Lasses podcast. It is now the 13th of October, Tuesday. We're still recording on Zoom. I'm Michelle and I'm here with Jane and a guest uh, who we'll get onto in a minute. Uh, Jane, what have you been up to? Um, I've been, I've been out, out. Um, I went out for a meal on Friday with my family to our local restaurant, uh, which is Bellatory in Scalmanthorpe. Um, and something really nice happened. And I say it in that way because it made me cry. So it wasn't that nice, but um, oh, wow. so basically, um, yes, we've gone out for this meal um, just really to support our, our local restaurant. And then when the bill came, I'd had a few wines, obviously. Um, and then when the bill came, Nicola, who owns the place, said to me, oh, there's a surprise in there for you. And, it's, and they bring your bill in like a closed book type thing. And I opened it up and there were hum, yeah. humbugs. And I, went, and I go, oh, look, humbugs. And she goes, no, not, that's not the surprise. And then I had a look at the bill and written on the bottom was £50 of your bill has been paid by so-and-so. I won't say who it was. And basically somebody had rung up, they knew that I was going and they'd rung up whilst I was there and paid part of my bill. Um, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. What so a kind I, thing to do. It made me cry. <laughs> I just made a right novel myself in the middle of a restaurant. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the restaurants give humbugs now then? Um, I don't know if it's to do with the... Obviously, you can't give mints not in a wrapper, so I don't know if they've switched right. to humbugs because they're, they're wrapped up so no one's touched them, have they? So I don't know if that's a, if that's a thing. But, yeah, yeah. so it was nice to be out, and obviously the, the night ended really nicely because cause that happened. So it was basically somebody I'd done a favour for um, who really wanted to thank me. So, yeah, that was nice. What about you? Lovely. Um, well, last week I went to a tech luncheon, which was over in Manchester, which was really, really insightful. It was um, the speaker was Steve Oliver, who is the founder and owner of um, Music Mad Pie and Declutter. So he was dead interesting and the food was nice. So it's nice to be out out again. Um, I've actually been in the kitchen again, Jane. So I've made two new soups. Oh. One is, <laughs> it's probably made you feel sick, but it's a cauliflower cheese soup. Mm. No, um, not a fan of cauliflower. Oh, you see, I love cauliflower cheese. It's, it, you actually put cheese triangles in. <laughs> now, mm. it doesn't look the best, but it tastes amazing. And the other one that I made was lentil broth. Oh, lovely. <laughs> which also doesn't look the best, but tastes, really nice so um i mean it didn't really stretch me too far in the kitchen because both um soups had like five ingredients in each so not a real biggie but anyway a step closer the stuff that you've not done before you know before lockdown you didn't even cook at all really yeah yeah so it's it's progress anyway um do you want to uh, introduce our guest jane So there is a link to food because Mandy is um, 
Mandy Taylor, shall I say, is um, front of house at BB's, which is an amazing restaurant in Leeds. If you haven't been, you should. Um, but on top of that, she also is um, heavily involved in marketing, PR and events. She does a lot of work with charities. And from what I have gathered during this short time I've known Mandy is that she's just a real people person. She's always smiling. She's always uplifting people. So we thought we need to get that woman on on our podcast. So here she is. Welcome, Mandy. Yeah, welcome. Hello, ladies. It's, you ought to change the title to Northern Lasses to Three because I'm so <laughs> proud of, of my northern roots and especially my, my Yorkshire roots. I definitely think I'm made of Yorkshire grit, to say the least. Well, that's a great idea because we're always thinking about what we're going to call this episode. So we'll call it Three Northern Lasses. Um, that's great. And, and both Jane and I have been stalking your profile on social media and stuff. So... Um, have you, have you always been in, in charity work? Take us, take us back to how you got involved in all the charity stuff that you do. Oh, my words. Charity. Yeah, it's definitely in my blood. It wasn't something that I set out to do deliberately from school. Uh, I'm a Huddersfield girl, born and bred. Uh, went to Cone Valley High School. My parents just wanted me to do one thing. And that was to go and work for Kirklees Council because you got flexi time. <laughs> that was the selling point. They, you know, they wanted me to go and get flexi time and have a steady job. Um, and I did. I did go and work for Kirklees Council way back. I'm not going to give my, my age away, but it was a long time ago. I worked in the finance department. But even in those early days of working for the council, I always tried to find a way to help a good cause, be it in a very small scale. Um, Kirklees Council wasn't for me, though. It just wasn't my bag. I went to the local college and, and did an accountancy course. So I've got AAT after my name, um, but just didn't like it. I absolutely hated it, to be fair. And on the last day when I was awarded the certificate, uh, I very ungratefully uh, walked out of the council and said goodbye. Looking back, I'm ashamed of doing that because it, they were great to me, but it was never going to be for me. I didn't want to work with numbers. I wanted to work with people. And that was clear. Um, so I left the Civic Centre in Huddersfield Town Centre and headed downhill. I was heading towards my grandparents' house and it was pouring down with rain and I got as far as Shorehead Roundabout, which is now the Sainsbury's in Huddersfield. Mm. But prior to that, it was a motor dealership. It was Brockles Motor Company. And I knew they were going to be doing a charity car wash that weekend. Uh, and I nipped in to ask more about the charity car wash, see if we needed pairs of hands and at the same time asked for a job. Uh, and on, on your way out of leaving your last job literally jane i walked out of a job <laughs> i remember that garage I remember, I remember it yeah and um we won't talk about ages and stuff but i definitely <laughs> remember that garage <laughs> at that time the sales manager was called all winner more i mean you couldn't write it it was a real smoothie a real charmer was all win and I just happened to say to him, Olin, you know, I'd like to sell cars. I've got accountancy behind me. I know about numbers. I love people. I think it's a winning combination. And Olin said at that point, there's one thing wrong here, Mandy. And I couldn't work out what was wrong. And he said, you're a woman. What do oh. women know about cars? Oh. Yeah. And yeah, back in the 80s, I'm afraid to say, that was commonplace, that type of language and conversation. And most women would have agreed and said, okay. I like to choose the colour, but that's as far as it goes. 
And I actually turned around to Alwyn and said, look, Alwyn, it's pouring down my rain. I'm sick of catching the bus. I don't own a car. Why don't you give me a car for four weeks and let me prove to you that I can sell? And I have to say, though, ladies, at that point, I'd eyed up the Sierra Cosworth in the corner, which must have been then about £12,000, thinking that would be my reward. Um, Owen said at the time, well, you can have a job. You can come and wash the cars this weekend and do the charity car wash. But equally, you can try sell cars. I'll give you four weeks and I will give you a car, but no pay. Right. So I instantly start, woohoo, Sierra Cosworth, here I come. Nah. Fiesta. Fiesta pop. <laughs> Second hand. Brilliant. 60,000 miles on, on the clock. A leak. You name it. It was. It had everything wrong with it. But it was a massive lesson I learned in my life that day. And that was qualification. If you want something in life, you have to qualify what you want and how to get it and be able to express that. Mm. And I got it totally wrong that day. Anyway, I washed the cars at the charity car wash that weekend. I went back on the Monday and did four weeks. And at the end of the four weeks, I was top selling salesperson in Brockholes Motor Company. Amazing. Love that. Yeah. Good end it here. You've already inspired everybody. Yeah. We've got lots of male listeners to this podcast, but I do prefer to buy from females, just putting it out there. And, <laughs> and actually, it's in the car buying world car selling world i've experienced it where i've gone in to look at a car and my husband's been with me and and they just rudely address my husband yeah. because they just assume that i'm not the one buying the car and you're and not the one making like, the decision you're not getting my business let's go to the next dealership <laughs> yeah i've done that myself definitely yeah um, and it's interesting mandy that, that you say um that you went to do with the accountancy and ended up working in marketing because that I did <laughs> and I'd completely forgotten, but I did um I went to do the AAT after I'd finished college and I only did about three months and I was like, this is boring. These people, they're not for me. <laughs> Jane, why do I know that? Because I'd, I can't. I've never because I've never told you because I've only just remembered. <laughs> Well, you're stirring up all sorts of memories here, Mandy. Oh, I know. Oh, first car was a yeah. Fiesta. Do you know what, Jane? We might have been in the same college, who knows? But the funny <laughs> thing was, though, the month that I was selling cars, and, and this has been quite nostalgic, really, and quite weird and odd, but our, our, every weekend we were given targets, sell 10 cars, get X. And, and the prizes that we got were 200 cigarettes, a sunbed course. I mean, everything now, looking back, that could have killed you was on one of his incentives. <laughs> and I mean, it's hysterical, but not, because now, you know, I've had a brush with cancer twice. Um, and I laugh about it, but I often hark back to those days of, was it that sunbed that I won for free? Or, or that crazy lifestyle I led back in those days? Who'll ever know? Yeah. Uh, but yes, so I, I had a good time in the motor industry, I have to say, and um, it, it taught me a lot. I was sent on a sales training course, which really benefited me in charity, called the Pendle Sales Training Course. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. No. You're sent away and you're brainwashed for three solid days, basically. And, and the lessons that you learn is how to never take no for an answer, to accept a maybe, but never a no. 
and it's about winning friends, building relationships, keeping in touch with people, and and, and just building bonds. Yeah. And 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 that's been fantastic for me over the years. Um, I think my address book, I can dig out 1988 and still call somebody and they'll remember me. And I think that's vital. Yeah, I, I've been in sales the whole of my career, Mandy, and I, I believe that anybody can learn the sales process, but I truly believe that there's a massive differentiation between a salesperson and a truly brilliant salesperson. And the differential is the person that's able to connect is the one that's going to be successful and connect and maintain those connections, which, you know, for charity and the stuff that you're doing, you've got to be able to come go back to the same people quite a lot of the time because that's where the money is. That's so very true. And, and then it's not always about the money though, to be fair with you. It's about the trust. I think with, with trust and understanding and integrity and loyalty, it just naturally comes. I also believe that it has to be win-win in life greatly. I always like to think that if I'm asking for something, I can give back in return and in abundance. I never just take without without giving back. And it might not be financial, it just might be holistically or, or other. But I am I think one thing I, I pride myself on, especially as I'm getting older, is I feel to be a curator of relationships and friendships. So I'm always thinking of somebody else whilst I'm in conversation mm. and wondering how I can benefit them too. Uh, and that, that seems to pay for me. Have you ever heard of a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg? No. It's, well, what you've just described is what he writes about in the book and, and I love it. I must have bought this book about 30 times because I've just given it to everybody that's ever worked for me or worked closely with me. And it's one of my favourite, favourite books. Um, so you must have a look at it. But you're obviously clearly a go-giver. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The concept of giving and what actually that entails and if you're getting back, what, what that actually means. Um, but, yeah, so I, I was scrolling through your um, Instagram feed earlier just to sort of get a feel for who you are because I know lots of people that actually do know you, but I've never met you. And um, and what I did notice, and, and tell me if I'm wrong with my observations, is but you like animals, you like food, you love getting dressed up, and you love pink. Is that right? <laughs> okay, so I do like food, but I also have a love-hate relationship with food, which is really, really interesting. So yes, um, as Jane mentioned earlier, I'm, well, you class me as the front of House of Evers, and that's the perception of what I am. I'm actually yeah. the business manager there. Uh, so as much as I'm fun and gregarious and, and singing and dancing in happier times uh, on the stage in front of everybody, I'm also very serious about it all too, because I'm looking at the, the you know, the yield per head, the numbers, the profitability, and everything else that goes with it. Um, I say I have a love-hate relationship with food. I love the food industry. I adore Beebers, but I, I was anorexic as a teenager, severely anorexic, uh, to the point of being hospitalised at age 15. And that's where my hate relationship with food comes in. So food gives me great pleasure, but also fills me with horror because I think you never lose that little voice in the back of your head, ever. You never lose it. So, so that's touching on food. Um, animal lover. Yes, my beloved blue tailor. Um, so you're a cat person. You're with me, aren't you, on the cat front? 
I am Jane. I'm yeah. a dog person, but I like cats. Yeah, I like dogs so, as well. I just have That's to good cats. to hear. Yeah, Blue was bought in a moment of drunken madness. <laughs> um, my then boyfriend, now husband, and I were in Leeds drinking uh, one afternoon. Walked through an indoor market, saw a pet stall, saw two little kittens in a cage. Decided in a drunken moment we wanted both. Said to the guy, right, box them up, bag them up, whatever you need to do. We're catching a train. Um, we're assuming it'll be about £40 per kitten. Here you go. And he looked at us and went, you are barmy. They're £350 each. <laughs> the pedigree British blues. Well, we were mortified and hugely embarrassed, but I'd already bought into the idea of being a pet owner. So we bought one and we brought Blue home on the train. Oh. We then realised at that point we weren't living together, so who was going to have rights to the cats? Um, <laughs> so we had a big argument, a big domestic in the railway station and Andrew won and Blue went to live with Andrew. <laughs> then I moved in and 10 years later, we still have our baby boy Blue. He's been, oh. shot, at, he's been shot before. He was shot at close uh, point range uh, a couple of years ago, which was horrific. So we had a big radio campaign trying to find who who'd shot him. And as, as a consequence, Blue gained his own Facebook page and his own followers. <laughs> oh. Brilliant. So is it really bad of me to say that Blue was the catalyst for <laughs> yes. moving in together? <laughs> um, yeah, to be fair, I mean, we are married now. We are married, Michelle, but I, my perfect marriage was always going to be that we lived next door to each other with just an adjoining door, but that never happened. <laughs> um, that would have been ideal, but to be fair, um, I, I cut my first brush with breast cancer when Andrew had just proposed to me. He'd literally proposed in the February and I found the lump in the July. So sadly, the, 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 you know, the, the romance and the joy and the excitement of being fiancé soon went and he became my carer in less than six months. So we naturally just moved on a journey together, which you know has, has ended up as a happy ending story, but it wasn't planned. Right. Mm. Yeah. And what about the pink? Pink, oh my gosh, yeah, very girly, isn't it, to say the least. Um, I think you've pink. got a really happy looking feed when you scroll through. You know, I like looking at people's Instagram feed and uh, you actually don't call it a feed, do you, when it's like that? What do you call it, a tile or something? Grid. Grid, sorry, that's right, from the marketeer. Um, from, from the youngster. <laughs> yeah. I like looking at what a grid looks like and it, and it all looks really pretty and and you look really dolled up in a lot of the pictures, which is nice. Bless you. Well, to be fair with you and to be honest with you, Instagram is a bit like a TV show as well, isn't it? And sometimes mm. imposter syndrome can kick in too. So to me, that's my window to the world um, and me trying to present the best version of me publicly. But that doesn't always mean to say that is me. There might be days on there where I'm feeling absolutely poo and crap and stressed and challenged, but I try and put my best face on at all times. Mm -hmm. um, the pink came about, well, I've always loved pink. It's always been me. I was a ballet dancer as a little girl, loved all the performing arts. But when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I, I actually planned how I was going to emerge from it and, and what I was going to look like. 
So I knew I was going to go into hospital. I knew I'd be in for a couple of weeks. I knew some of the surgery would necessitate potentially some intensive care treatments if, if needs be. So I decided that when I was going to wake up and visitors were going to come see me, I would be head to toe in pink. I'd be glam, sparkly, covered in sequins, and all they would see would be that. They wouldn't see beyond the glamour. And, and really, that's how it all started more than anything. Uh, and it became my signature colour. Uh, when they put the drain bags into my operation sites to drain off all the nasty fluid and blood and gunk, the bags were horrid. So I got friends making pink bags for me, designer bags to carry around for the drain bag. And, and so it started. And, and now it just seemed to be my signature, my mark. And what sort of fundraising are you involved in right now, sort of bring it up to present day? What what do you do? Not enough. Not enough at all. Oh, the joys of COVID. It's, it's, I was going to say, is it because of the pandemic that we can't... I mean, I literally, it worries the hell out of me that these charities will not be getting the money that they would normally get, especially things like, I know the London Marathon is really important for a lot of charities and that didn't happen did it well it did not elite runners yeah it did i mean it was virtual wasn't it no i mean i, th I think i've raised just short of three million pounds since 2004 but that that, that fundraising has been very very event orientated hands-on practical myself and tens and tens and thousands of other people joining in with me um, but when COVID struck, all those events, everything that was planned in the diary went. Uh, so my, my, my support for charities has been through goodwill and not through financial gain. Uh, very much volunteering at food banks, giving my, my time to those guys as much as I could do. Mentoring charity fundraisers who are, are, are struggling, you know, from a positivity point of view. I've, I've been on many calls with people over the months, trying to keep them buoyed up as best I can. Uh, I'm very sad that I can't do as much as I'd like to do with the Joe Cox Foundation, which I'm involved in. But again, that's been challenging. So I'm just looking always for new ways to be able to help people. It's just a little bit different now. Yeah, we um, had an earlier guest in, in the podcast, Peter Sargent, and he does a lot of charity work at the Welcome Centre in, in Huddersfield. And he was saying that during COVID that their donations actually donations of food went down but actually the financial cash donations went up because I think people were sort of thinking they might have gone shopping and just bought, put, put a few things in the in the trolley but actually instead they were sending the money in so they did okay but then they were sending out double the amount of food packs yeah it's, it's worrying times and challenging times it really is and to be fair from my my well-being point of view i've noticed recently that i've really struggled with not being out there doing the things i would normally do so i should have been hosting a huge music festival in halifax that would have raised twenty thousand pounds in a day that got cancelled i should have been hosting a charity dinner and an auction and yeah, I've just missed that interaction. Again, going back to where we started with people, to be fair with you. Um, and I just cannot wait to get back out there and start again. Yeah, and it'd be nice if we knew when that would happen, wouldn't it? 
mm. at the moment you can't you can't plan anything really can you no no um i wanted to sort of ask you as well you're involved with the magazine is that the marketing side or a view or what tell us a bit more about that of course. Oh, it's a joy to work with the magazine Topic UK. Um, very long story short, Jill Laidler, such an inspirational Yorkshire woman, uh, came for a coffee with me at Beebers to talk about the magazine two years ago. And the coffee turned into an Aperol Spritz, and that one Aperol Spritz I think, turned to four. And just over those Aperols, she happened to mention that she'd been in business several years. It was herself and a business partner, Rob and that the business was growing and they needed a, a salesperson to, to join the team for a part-time role. Did I know anybody? Um, and as I was thinking about it, she then turned around and said, actually, how about you? And it was bizarre because I said to her, Jill, I don't sell. I'm not a salesperson. I just build relationships. So if you talk about commission, you talk about targets and heart sell, I'm not the girl. Anyway, after a while, we met again and, and I was appointed to join the team. I absolutely adore what I do. It's, it's fantastic. We, we spread the news about Yorkshire businesses and champion the great work that they do and some charities too, to be fair with you. The, the role takes me all over Yorkshire normally uh, and I meet some phenomenal people. I really do. It's just superb. We've also branched out recently um, and formed Yorkshire Businesswoman, which is going to be a digital magazine launching at the end of November. As a consequence of that, a couple of months ago, we were up at Raven Seat Farm with Amanda Owen, the Yorkshire Oh, she's fab. I absolutely love her. I just, I want to meet her. I, want, I missed out on going to an event where she was speaking and I was so disappointed. I just love her to bits. Oh, she is just a farce of Nick. She's just Wonder Woman. So I had a whole day with her, Clive, the kids, the, the farm animals. We took a celebrity hairdresser. She had a haircut in the barn. And what you see on television is what you get. There is no stage show there. She is a real deal. Uh, okay. and, and I'm proud to put yeah, I would like to say that she's a friend now too. So, And again, this is all down to Jill, who I work with. She's just so innovative and enterprising. Comes up with some crazy ideas, and I often think this isn't going to work, but she just always makes it happen. Good. Well, Mandy, we're at that time in the podcast where we play the game, and I've got to say, we, I could carry on talking for ages. Could you, Jane? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You, you, you're so interesting, and we've we've literally just not... We've touched the surface with your career and not really unpicked it, but it's been a really great chat. But now I need to sort of shuffle cards and you need to tell me when to stop. And when you tell me when to stop, I'll pick a card out and ask you a question. So I'm going to start now. Oh, <laughs> right. This is not a cryptic question, but what are you bored of? What am I bored of? Oh my gosh, how long have we got? One thing. <laughs> Probably. I'm bored of my husband permanently watching football on television. Absolutely bored, stupid of that right now. I want football to come back live. There we go. 
Right. Well, actually, I could probably say that because we've got a constant stream of football coming through the house, but I'm actually bored of my wardrobe. Just because, you know, because you're not going out and it's just the same stuff and, and then you can't be bothered to go shopping because it's just like you can't try anything on. Or... Yeah, and you, and you can't go shopping with your friends. That's what gets me. Yeah. Banner has been said to me the other day, just, just go to Meadowhall. And I'm like, it's not the same. You can walk around with a mask on. It's cute to get in places. There's no music being played. There's no atmosphere. There's no people having fun because they're all there on their own or with their families who they're sick to the back teeth of because they've not got away from them for months. So yeah. it's just not the experience we want it to be, is it? No. What are you bored of, Jane? Um, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, just not not being able to do stuff with with friends, really. Yeah, um, I, I'm bored of my own company. I suppose is what I'm bored of. Yeah. Another one. So stop. Stop. What do you value most? Free time, recognition, or money? This is probably the wrong question to be asking a philanthropist. <laughs> Definitely free time because it's very precious and I seldom get it and I do value that the most. But then that free time allows me to do the things that I want to give freely to. Yeah. I've noticed that since we can't go on holiday, I've started thinking about travel and what I want to, where I want to go to and not not a beach. I mean, I would like to go to a beach, but just different places and stuff. So it's definitely free time for me. Jane? What was the free it time was like money? free time recognition or money. Mm, I, don't, I think it's one of those things where it depends on where you are, in not just in life, but in, in general, as to what the answer is to that question like not being particularly busy for the last six months. So I've got plenty of free time, just not to do with it. Um, so I'd, yeah, I'd probably got money right now because I've not been particularly busy for six months. Fair enough. Could we have all three? <laughs> yes, let's have all three. Next. Stop. If you dropped everything, and went on a road trip, where would you go? Oh, golly. Under current climate, I'm, I'm assuming, aren't we? <laughs> well, you can, you can have a free wish if you want. Oh, my word. If I could have my free wish, I'd head back to Italy, to Ravello from the Amalfi Coast, without doubt, the most beautiful place that I've ever visited, uh, full of culture, full of sightseeing, great food, and, and lots of amore, definitely there. That's actually on my bucket list of places to go. I've been to Italy many times, but I've not actually been to the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. Yeah. I've been to Italy with work, so I have eaten in some lovely restaurants, but it's not the same. Sorry about the noise. If you can hear something, it's my dog um, scratching his collar. So I, if I could drop everything, I'd wait a week and I'd drop everything next Tuesday if I could, but I can't, and I'd drive to my grandma's house because it's her 100th birthday. 
next Tuesday and we can't go and see her. Oh, Jane, 100 years old. That's she's 100 years old, yeah. What's the and name? She's, she's called Violet May. Actually, she's not. There's a whole story which we haven't got time to, call, to go into, but she thought she was called Violet May and it turns out she's not. She's called Violet Ethel. And her birthday actually isn't next Tuesday, it's next Monday, but she spent her whole life thinking it was on the 20th, so... Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, she's 100 next then. week. I know. I don't think she'll be listening to this, but... If you are, happy birthday, Grandma. Yeah. Could you not drive over and just sort of wave from the garden, or is it too far or too she stressful? Or? She lives in a flat, and I think, you know, she's 100, so her, her hearing's a bit dodge. And she, I think it would probably upset her more than not seeing us at all, is to see her, you know, from an upstairs window. So, well, Does the Queen send, still send a letter to people that are 100? Yeah, you have to apply for it. But we've applied. But also oh. my grandma's Canadian, so we've also applied for a, one from the Canadian president as well. So oh, I love him. He's brilliant. I don't even know who he is. Yeah, he's great. Anyway, stop waffling about that, yeah. my grandma. Well, um, thank you, Mandy. It's been lovely to meet you. I've been heard lots of lovely, positive things about you. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to come on, Mandy. I just knew you were going to be like you have been, so I'm really pleased that you, you um, agreed when I asked you. Yeah, fab. Thank you very much. Bye. It's been, it's been my pleasure. Anytime. Take care, ladies. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.